Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast, brought to you by the California Association of Realtors and the Center for California Real Estate. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another Housing Matters podcast. Your favorite data nerds are back with everything you need to know about the housing market and the economy. And this time, we're going to wrap up with kind of a a big picture view before everybody goes off for the holidays, because we have a lot of news on on the macro front. So we want to talk about the Fed. We want to talk about GDP. We want to talk about jobs. And then we'll wrap up with sort of a, a summary of where the housing market's at and, and also what our, our recent forecast is. And uh, I'd be remiss, obviously, if I didn't stop to introduce Oscar Way, our senior economist and director of research who joins me today. Hey, everyone. So, Oscar, the Fed just cut rates, huh? What do we What do we make of that? I know. I mean, they cut the rate. Of course, it's not the first time they cut it again by um, a quarter point. Now, uh, a lot, a lot of time, you know, when people look at Fed funds rate being cut, they will think, "Wow, that's great." You know, short-term interest rates. I mean, interest rates uh, is going to go down. But uh, I look at the um, the mortgage rates, um, just the mortgage news daily. It didn't really right. change a lot. But now let's let's kind of take a look at why you know they decide to cut rate and what's the um, message that they send out afterwards i mean sure. yes because yeah the, this is the third one of the year right so that's right that's right third time in a year and of course when these first started cutting the rate you know the concern was the economy is going to slow down and there have been a lot of talks about possibly having a recession next year um yep. so people were speculating so they were just kind of you know what they have been doing in the last uh, a couple of times this is the third time now um let me let me let me you know, throw the ball back to you. And you know, the, the, we have been seeing some pretty solid, uh, pretty decent uh, economic um, numbers. Uh, right. So why do you think um, they cut rate, and um, why do you think it's not affecting, at least right now, the uh, the long term interest rate so far? Yeah, now? I mean, that that's the the key question for us in our industry obviously is is how this is all going to play out in rates but i think that uh, you know we did get another solid number on gdp which we'll talk about again but growth in general has been slowing you know if you just go back to the last couple of years um, you know, in 2015, 16, even at partway into 17, um, you look at California, we were growing by something on the order of two and a half to three percent jobs. Uh, now that's dropped down into the kind of mid single digits, like one and a half percent range. And that's pretty consistent with what you see in the rest of the United States as well. And so I think that, you know, given the fact that the yield curve has uh, inverted, the fact that, you know, consumer confidence has stumbled a bit, even though it's still at relatively high levels, um, it has been coming down over the course of the past couple of months. And and obviously those job growth numbers are are slowing as well. And we're 10 years into the expansion. So I think they're, they're worried and or at least kind of um, up to speed on on the fact that the the expansion's pretty long in the tooth and not only that that there's signs of some slowing and so they want to try and prop that up that's true but it's also at the same time they also mention in their uh, notes um jerome powell mentioned in in the press conference later on that you know maybe uh, this might be the last time for the year um, they may actually kind of monitor the situation first before cutting further. 
I think that's a message that people are also picking up, and yep. um, and that may be one of the reasons why, you know, rates actually the long-term interest rate may not move a whole lot in the last couple of days. I mean, of course, it's still, um, you know, very. Uh, it's only a couple of days from you know the Fed cutting rate, but sure. the uh, the wrong run rates haven't gone gone down partly because okay, well, it looks like. It is a, a little bit more optimistic as far as the economy is concerned. Um, I know we might have made some changes to our forecast um, before Leslie put out the forecast, but when we'll talk more about that later. Yeah. Uh, but it looks like it's a little bit more optimistic compared to, let's say, six months ago, right? Yeah, definitely. And so you kind of got to take, you know, take the good with the bad. I think that the Fed lowering rates is is a good sign generally for where interest rates will be in the next 12 months or so. But I think, you know, it's it's kind of both a sign of strength and weakness. They do want to lower rates to keep the expansion going, but they don't look like they want to continue to cut them because they're worried about some major contraction in the economy. So, you know, not much to uh, to read into that one way or the other. It's kind of just a continuous on this same plodding along kind of pace. Absolutely. And we talked about this before, you know, the Fed funds rate is not the only thing that determines, you know, uh, long-term interest rates. We look at global stuff. We look at um, the, um, you know, whether other central banks are actually doing anything to the economy at a global level. So there are a lot of things to consider. Right. And with the Brexit deal on the horizon, it's not unthinkable that capital might start to uh, to creep back up in those European countries as well. And so that uh, could reduce some of the demand for, for bonds and maybe why we're seeing some of those spreads increase on the long end of the yield curve. Absolutely. So there's, a, there's still a chance that, you know, uh, uh, rates could go down a little bit um, in, the, in, the, in the future. Right now, it's uh, unless I looked at it, uh, yesterday uh, average is probably about 3.85 for 30-year fixed rate. So there's still a chance, you know, eventually that might go down a little bit in an upcoming year, uh, and we'll keep an eye on it. Now, um, right. yeah, the, the 10 years still going up a tiny bit as well. So it's not like there's there's huge spreads building up, but we're from about 170 basis points usually between 30 and 10 year, and now it's about 200 or so. But it does seem fairly stable at that level as the 10 year has started to creep back up. So um, definitely something to to keep an eye on. I don't think that that those long term rates are going to go very much higher. Absolutely, and I know you share some of those um, charts on a 10-year bonds on a regular basis. So keep an eye on our presentation and you'll see some of the uh, illustrations from uh, Jordan or me. Um, so let me put it out there also. Um, we mentioned about you know the economy doing a little bit better. So let's you know throw out some more solid um, evidence. I know we've just released our third quarter um, GDP number and today we have some number on um, employment, unemployment and employment. So maybe we can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, definitely. I think the you know the the stock market obviously is doing pretty well this morning. We're recording this on the morning of uh, November first, but it looks like you know the the Dow at least has popped back up to an all time high uh, level. So I think both the uh, the Fed rate cut, which they actually responded to kind of negatively late last week. Um, you know, plus the the good GDP growth number, which showed that we increased by another 1.9% in uh, the third quarter is obviously, I think, making the, the stock market feel a little bit better. But there's still a lot of a lot of headwinds out there. We talked about the global uncertainty. And I think, you know, all the trade stuff is still permeating all of the financial markets. And, 
seems like, you know, every day or at least every other week, we're getting some new news that there's, you know, deals on the cusp or we're on the precipice of getting a deal. And then, uh, you know, other conflicting reports that a deal might not be uh, going through. But I think that, you know, when you take a step back, we got another 1.9% growth, which isn't a great number to to kind of write home about, right? But right. Uh, but it is fairly close to, to that kind of 2% growth that we've been averaging so far this year. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, you know, 1.9% is not a, a, a very encouraging if you look at, you know, all the historical stuff. You know, I, I know last year we had, what, a 3.9% for a second quarter of 2018 and then another 3%. But if you take a look at the expectation, I think a lot of economists expect a lower number of maybe about 1.5 or 1.6%. So yeah. 1.9 is, you know, it's always about, you know, what you expect, right? You know, if right. you compare your expectation and it's higher, hey, that's a surprise. Yeah, exactly. So, but no, I think, you know, when you look at the sources of growth, it's much the same story. There is a couple of red flags, I think, under the hood, although some people saw some, some you know, signs of encouragement under the hood. But for me, when you look at where the growth came from, virtually all of the growth came from consumers again, right? They contributed virtually all of that 1.9% uh, to growth that increased by 2.9% on an annualized basis. Uh, but that accounts for virtually all of that 1.9%. We did see government spending go up. But we just still aren't seeing businesses step in uh, and and kind of pick up some of the slack in in the economy. And so, you know, while consumers are still doing well, and I mentioned that consumer confidence has started to stumble a little bit, but oh, yeah. overall, it's still at fairly high levels and spending and retail and and you know just overall monthly spending numbers seem fairly stable right now. But uh, if consumers do take a step back at some point in 2020 or 2021, we don't have a lot of other kind of categories of GDP, if you will, to fall back on. Yeah, and I, I, I'm a little concerned about, you know, the consumer. I know it's dropped like third month in a row. And yeah. um, I know it's still at a very high level compared to what we were at, let's say, 10 years ago. The uh, consumer confidence was, I think, in 2008 was like, like 20, 25. Um, and right now it's 125, 130. So, right. so. something worry too much about but still you know third months in a row is something that um, I'm you know keeping an eye on and you said it right you know, about the business investment um, it is actually the second quarter that we have a, uh, a negative um, I know it's not as big as uh, last quarter which dropped last quarter dropped six percent a little more than six percent this quarter right. dropped like one and a half percent but uh, you've got to be concerned about whether you know uh, what they're thinking. I know, yeah, those uncertainties that you mentioned, like Brexit and um, yep, trade war, agreement. Yeah, it's it's still. I mean, it's been what the U.S.-China trade negotiate negotiations been going on for like 15, 16, or 18 months, whatever it is. Yeah, and it's still going nowhere. Totally. And and when you look at the business investment again, that number has been down. But I think the the bigger indicator is on the on the business confidence side. We talked about consumer confidence stumbling a little bit, but actually business confidence has been on a fairly steady uh, downtrend for the course of the last year or so. And I think that, uh, you know, that's something to keep in mind when we think about future hiring and and just ongoing business investment. Right. Because uh, we need kind of more pieces of the puzzle. We kind of have all of our eggs in one basket economically right now with the consumers. And so, um, you know, with those businesses losing confidence and now that confidence finally 
starting to, to translate into actually reduced amounts or reduced levels of investment, um, it does it does make you wonder whether uh, you know we could see a, a bigger slowdown later next year. Yeah, it's definitely concerning, and um, you know one sort of a bright spot if you want to put it that way is the residential fixed investment. Um, see, actually, that act, that part of it actually increased the first time since yep. um, 2017, last quarter of 2017. Now, I have to I have to think that you know it probably has quite a bit to do with um, you know the in the residential sales that we might be seeing. We ha we right. haven't seen in the last quarter or so, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, that's the the kind of grease that we need in our market to get things flowing smoothly. And so, um, you know, that is a, a positive sign. But I think, you know, when you drill down to California, the per permit numbers for, for 2019 aren't super encouraging. It looks like actually we might have fewer permits this year than we even had last year. So from a GDP growth standpoint, definitely a, a positive and one that we haven't seen in, in over a year, as you mentioned, almost two years, actually. But uh, but unfortunately, a lot of that isn't happening here in California. Yeah, that's true because of a lot of different reasons. Affordability is one. Um, and let's let's take a look at um, since we kind of hone into the housing market. I know we talk about all those macro stuff. We talk about the interest rates. Uh, we yeah. talk about the economic growth rate. Um, so now, and it looks like that good economic data for the most part has finally translated through to the housing market. I mean, we had in September uh, the biggest, you know, increase that we've seen in almost three years. It was up 5.8% on a on a year over year basis. Now that, you know, still translates into a, a negative on a year to date basis. So if you add up the first nine months of 2019, I think we're still about 3% or so behind where we were at this time last year. But But the good news is on the short term trends, right? That that we've had three months in a row of of growth, and it looks like those those rates are finally starting to kick in. Yeah, and I mean we have been seeing four percent below four percent thirty year fixed rate, and um, and it's not just sales, right? Price wise, we also see pretty decent increase in price. Now we're not talking about eight or nine percent uh, like what we saw uh, mid of uh, last year, but we still right. are seeing you know two three, and then the latest percent change is actually pretty decent I think at around four uh, percent or so I can't remember the exact number so uh, prices actually prices are growing as well because of you know partly because of interest rates and partly because of supply yeah definitely no I just did a a speech yesterday out in Bakersfield and and one of the main themes was that you know some of our our old friends are are re-emerging you know if you look at where the market is at today in some ways it uh, looks a lot like how it did in, in 2016 and 2017. So we're back to a, a market where inventory is falling, right? And and wow. unsold inventory is kind of stabilized in this three, three and a half months of supply uh, range. We have the the sales numbers wanting to creep up again as these rates are, are low, right? But that's ultimately leading to more market competition. I think this is the first time in a while where time on market hasn't been increasing, where we haven't seen an increase in 
in discounting or the percent of actives that are are backing down on price. And so, um, you know, it's starting to look a lot more like it did a couple of years ago where we had this really low rate environment, uh, great you know, economy or at least a decent economy creating demand for housing. And and then, you know, our, our old friend, the supply constraint, keeping time on market low and, and market competition relatively high. Yeah. And and something about something different, you know, from last year, though, you said, you know, about a year ago, you know, we have, you know, some 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 um, elements, you know, supply issues. And, you know, of course, um, we're not we're not seeing, you know, a, a lot more market competition as compared to last year. In fact, you know, I think based on our survey data, you know, the market competition can kind of slow down a little bit. Um, so. What do you think is going to happen in the uh, the fourth quarter? I know we had a pretty strong third quarter compared to last year, but also keep in mind last year, um, we actually, second half of last year, we actually dropped quite a bit in terms of sales. So what do you think is going to happen in the fourth quarter? Yeah, I think we can expect more ongoing growth. I mean, if you look at our pending sales, which haven't been the best predictor of closed sales, but you know, this year at least they seem to be doing a decent job and those are actually up by about almost 10%. And so that wow, suggests ongoing growth in those closed sales but i think you know from a, a bigger picture standpoint rates are still low and i think that uh, folks will be motivated to to kind of get in while the getting is good and so we we are more optimistic for for continued growth through the last couple months of the year in terms of both sales and prices frankly because again um, you know that that inventory level is starting to tighten back up and unfortunately i think that that's also why we're not um, kind of overly optimistic about where sales are going. We do think sales will continue to go up over the next couple of months, but the market's going to continue to be stifled again by supply because those actives are are starting to fall back off. Yeah, and and we talked about this also um, in the past. We saw some tightening, uh, supply tightening, specifically in the lower price segment, and um, but on the upper end or the higher end the supply seems to actually improve partly because sales is not as strong in the upper end compared to the lower end but it seems like last month we we're seeing some improvement in the higher price segment as well so um do you think that there's a good chance there's a chance maybe not just good chance there's a chance that uh, the upper price uh home sales probably could you know see some improvement in the fourth quarter as well yeah, I think there's there's definitely uh, an opportunity for that. I think one of the things that's helping at the top end is that that, that is still a segment where you are seeing more discounting. So you're seeing prices um, right. or at least discounts coming up. And actually, we're seeing a bit of evidence that prices are coming down at the top end of the market, not just as a as a kind of mix of sales thing where we're selling more at the at the bottom end of the market, but um, actually those top quintiles are are reducing price by two or three percent. And so I think that that taken together with the fact that hopefully those financial markets are are stabilizing around this kind of twenty thousand or twenty seven thousand level, uh, and we don't have any major shocks there, that should help the top end of the market. I think that the the summer was really kind of unfortunately upset by all of the the crazy financial market volatility and and those right. folks who are shopping at the top end obviously in the two three you know million plus price range are are much more exposed to those swings in 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 the financial markets right so um, since you mentioned par, uh, prices I know when we look at home prices uh, when we uh, take a look at future home prices we typically look at some of the list price uh, as an indicator, 
maybe you can uh, give us some idea about you know what the list price or listing price is suggesting uh, what the trend is going to be for um, sales price and yeah forward. definitely so so the list prices are usually a fairly decent predictor of where closed prices are going you know four to six months uh, down the road even up to 12 months depending on which market that lag time is different but the good news is that list prices are nice and stable in that mid single digit range so they're very close to the kind of four uh, and 5% growth that we saw last month. And so I think that, again, that's kind of what we can expect. There's not a major acceleration, but if you actually look at our market velocity index, which kind of looks uh -huh. at closed sales and compares that to uh, the new listings that get put on the MLS each month, that also tends to be a pretty good predictor of where prices are going. And with uh, sales perking back up as those listings fall, again, that that kind of creates that tightness in the market, right? Where, where overall inventory is declining each month uh, because we're just not putting enough new listings back onto the MLS. What that means is that that typically, uh, you know, increases the market competition time on market is slow or stable. Uh, I mean, quick or stable, right? And, and so that usually means upward pressure on prices. So when you actually look at where that market velocity is right now, it suggests again, more kind of five to 6% growth. So I think we can expect more stable kind of mid single digit growth, not just through the end of next year, but I think even through the, the first quarter, and then we'll see where things go from there, both in terms of the economy, the election, uh, and what the Fed decides to do. Right, and you said, you know, five to 6%, but of course, we also look at from time to time that you know you we all we know we notice that you know there's there's there is a sales price to list price um, ratio discount which is right around 98.5 percent right now. So you know when, you, when we take that into account, you probably can say you know three percent is pretty accurate. Yeah, definitely, and I think you know that's that's kind of gets us close to where we are. For the full year, I think we're getting this nice pop from that reduction in rates. But as rates stabilize, you know, the effect of that is going to kind of uh, subside over time, right? A lot of folks will be motivated to get in as rates get low, and then as rates stay low, a lot of those folks have already kind of taken advantage. And so, um, overall, when you kind of look at our forecast for 2020, again, we're we're less pessimistic and more optimistic than we were at this time last year because we actually have sales you know, going up with those low rates and they'll continue to go up, but we have it actually cooling off and only going up by about uh, 1%, 0.8% for the for the full year. So we'll close out 2020 just below um, 400,000, but we do see prices continuing to move forward because, you know, A, those interest rates help folks just get into the market, period, but also gives them a little bit more purchasing power. And so, um, our forecast is to end the year basically at 608,000, which is about a two and a half percent increase from where we'll end up in in 2019. And so that's mostly due to these low rates, but we don't see them getting much lower. And that's why, uh, even though we think we'll have more growth through the rest of this year and into the first quarter, that that growth will start to to taper down because again, our old friends, the the supply constraint and housing affordability will prevent us from kind of catapulting up to to more and more transactions. True, and and I, I'm sure it has a lot to do with you know the economic growth that you mentioned. I know we are as far as our economic growth or prediction is concerned, we do believe that it is not going to go into recession. We are we believe that you know it's going to continue to grow at a decent um, or you know 1.7 percent. Not this kind of like lackluster, disappointing pace that we've been seeing for the last year or so. 
Right. And and um, one more thing that I want to throw it out there, and we did this before regarding the um, uncertainty about um, when we have an election year. Um, right. We discussed this before. Normally, what 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 uh, do we usually get a lot of positive or negative when we have uh, election year to the economy or the housing market um, based on our historical uh, findings? Do do you have any take on? What yeah. Somebody well? asked. Someone asked me this yesterday in Bakersfield as well, and I think that there is a lot of concern just because a, a presidential year is is something that has a lot of consequence. But, you know, and we went back and looked at this in 2016. We didn't just look at 2016. We looked at, you know, a bunch of elections going back about five decades. And there's really no noticeable impact. There, there might be a bit of a wait and see as we get into the summer, right? And so maybe June and July and, uh, and August and maybe even September and October won't be as good as, as they otherwise could have as folks kind of wait to see how things are going to shake out. Um, but in general, you know, other than maybe a couple of month delay to see where things end up, there, there isn't really a noticeable impact on either sales or prices one way or the other, not positive or negative. And so, um, you know, although we should definitely be paying attention, making sure our votes get counted and all that good stuff. Um, I, you know, I don't think from a housing market standpoint, it's going to have much impact one way or the other, at least not in 2020 over the long term. It obviously matters for policies that get implemented in the budget and stuff like that. But uh, but for 2020 specifically, the actual uh, process of the election, I don't think will have much of an impact. Got it. It seems like, you know, we will have a somewhat smooth year, maybe nothing exciting, but it's still, you know, a pretty decent year um in uh, 2020 which is which is a good thing yeah and i mean but you know anything can happen it seems like these news cycles are getting shorter and shorter and uh you know we what we thought was going to happen in october of of 2018 kind of changed dramatically at the beginning of 2019 when we got in and there was all kinds of um you know issues with brexit and with china um and it seems like that was already years and years ago but it was only about 10 months ago and so um, you know, unfortunately, a, a lot is subject to change in this, but based on the fundamentals that we see right now, that's where we see things headed. So uh, yeah, as we find right. out more information, we will definitely come back and, and let you guys know. But uh, overall, I think the moral of the story is that we're less pessimistic. We think the economy will keep creeping along and that the housing market will actually look a little bit better uh, than we thought it would with both sales and prices continuing to rise next year. So uh, did we miss anything critical, Oscar? I think we covered much everything, and I would take, you know, what you said. You know, I I like a year with, you know, decent growth, um, and I'm sure uh, six months from now we probably will still be talking about those factors that you mentioned: China, U.S., and Brexit. I don't think those are going to go away anytime soon. Yeah, no, these are our big issues that we're grappling with and they'll likely take a, a long time to play out. But the good news is that we're here with you every couple of weeks to, to let you know everything that happens as it develops and, and we will continue to keep you posted. So uh, thank you so much for joining us for the 63rd episode of the Housing Matters podcast. And uh, we'll go ahead and leave it there and just say thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. See you next time.